You are listening to the Tribe Podcast that inspires young adults to live the best life ever. We are a global community that through conversation brings answers to the most common struggles of our generation. Welcome to the Tribe. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Tribe Podcast today. I'm so excited because today we have some very, very, very special people. And these people are my actual tribe, okay? People I've been doing life with. And we have Deb and Cape Town. And then we have Josh Cook in Birmingham, everybody. And then, obviously, there's me in Birmingham. I hope you guys already know who I am by now. But um, the reason why, you know, I'm so excited about this is because, yes, you know, we are a tribe for everyone. But what's really exciting about this conversation, that it's going to be a conversation between people that I actually live life with. You know, I... Um, have been living in Birmingham with Josh and Meg, his wife. And then also, I used to live in Cape Town with Deb. But then also, for you for you who don't know, Josh is moving to Cape Town. So I feel like this is two worlds coming together. And it's super weird. It's super weird for my two worlds to come together in this way. But it's been great. How are you guys doing? How have you been this year? I will go first. How have I been? Um... It's been really normal, you know, just totally fine, nothing <laughs> unusual. Um, no, it's been wild. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation back in February about the concept of moving to Cape Town from the UK. And then we went over, we visited mm-hmm. Cape Town, and then a global pandemic happened. <laughs> and so, you know, we've just been like leading church, um, figuring out life, getting new jobs doing all sorts of fun stuff. Um, So I I think for me, it's been mixed with like a year of uncertainty, grief and weirdness combined with like excitement for the kingdom and everything that this year means for the expansion of the kingdom into digital global spaces. So I'm kind of like fired up right now about all that God's doing in the world but equally it's kind of a weird year so I, I'm, I'm in i'm in between yeah l- listen i think everybody's in the same boat i mean deb deb said the same thing last time right like how have you been experiencing it i think yeah it's just a crazy 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 time and i feel like every week is different um and yeah, every true. week is an adjustment mm-hmm. um so yeah it's yeah it's just hard to sum it up um but yeah i mm-hmm. um am surprised i'm very surprised um how god used this weird time to like grow our church and grow people and um develop our characters anyway um so yeah mm-hmm. there's positive in everything it's so true there's like a positive and a negative but i feel like if i could describe this year in one word it would be probably eventful like it's been it has been an eventful year, the good and the bad and the ugly. Um, and it's so funny because so many events happening with so many different things occurring in the world. I feel like majority of my conversations this year were heavy laden with just cultural tensions or whatever it is. And I feel like, I mean, I currently live with Josh and Meg, which is a fun experience. Hello, oh, Hold on. Um, and I feel like... Define fun experience. Do you mean it's the best thing you've ever no in a good way right, right. <laughs> no you guys are the best housemates <laughs> i 
actually. All we do is just drink wine and watch Great British Break Off. It's great. That's true. <laughs> but um, I live with, with Josh and Meg, and I feel like majority of our conversations, I mean, especially with Josh, I feel like we love to talk about cultural trends, societal issues, and we just have these back and forths, which are so, this is my love language for me. Is like a, lot, a little bit of a debate, you know, a little debate moment, a little discussion moment. And one of the things, one of the conversations that we had, I remember lockdown had just finished. Well, back then, it's back again, but, you know, uh, in the summer. And we just happened to be talking about cancel culture, ooh, which is a very... Um, it's a very current theme, I feel like, yeah. of our generation, Gen Z and millennial. Um, and so I thought it would be great to talk about it today. You know, we have different podcasts. I feel like our podcasts are very teachy sometimes. But um, today, I, th- I just thought it would be fun to invite someone, invite every listener to just listen to an organic conversation about something that's relevant. So let's talk about cancel culture, guys. And the first question I want to ask you is... Do you think cancel culture is toxic? (laughs) Is it like a one word answer? No. Like if you think it's toxic, explain why. If you don't think it's toxic, you know, just share your thoughts. So I very rarely in life um, try and be like black and white. I think it's a complex issue. Like it's a complex problem. Um, because Mm -hmm. it exists within the realm of humanity and we are all complex people. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think like at the core of it, when it started, when it wasn't called cancel culture, um, it was just something people, activists mainly would do. Um, I think it was a good, like it it was rooted in a good kind of um, need to keep people accountable, to see our mm-hmm. world change, to um, call out people of power who did something wrong and never mm-hmm. uh, never were um, kind of held accountable because of their position. So I think it started out as something that was supposed to bring a positive change, um, but how it evolved and where it is now and how much damage it can sometimes do I think um, I would say it can be toxic. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you, though. I agree. Like, everything everything that is toxic sometimes is rooted in... I mean, it started as a good thing. And then we just take it to the extreme, don't we? Like, yeah. um, we take it to another level and weaponize something that was supposed to be something of integrity. Um, Josh, mm. what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'd ask the question, like... Firstly, if you're talking about this conversation, why do people feel like we need cancel culture? And and I guess it's to your point, Deb, is that where people in power have have mistreated or abused their power. Yes. And it and it created this like this you know almost a grassroots response, if you will, mm. around why why people felt like we needed it. And and I, I would say I'd probably say it this way. Is accountability toxic? No. Is the is Twitter trying to hold me accountable toxic? Yes. Yeah. Like that's how I'd be thinking about it. Because or or, or if I can say it this way, should people who have no idea of a situation try and hold me accountable? 
right. or just see like see the headlines or get you know their kind of um, that don't know everything about a situation that's going on. I think that can lead to a toxic and and if if I can be as bold when it comes to I think particularly within our kind of communities I think it can lead to an anti-gospel approach because I think there's something of like the idea that oh even that concept right like you're cancelled it's like that's the most anti-gospel concept yeah like Mm. you know maybe you know it's better to like you're suspended suspended culture or you know it's like it's like maybe you know some people maybe we need time out and hey let me let me be clear there are some people who need to be held accountable Mm -hmm. the question is what's the best accountability structure Mm. is it people you know like shout shouting from a place that they maybe don't know everything about I'm not always sure that's the healthiest thing. Yeah. And I think what it what it can create is a um like a surface level response to something that has many layers. Yeah. Um and and so I I, I don't know, it's like it's a complex one because there are certainly situations where like the I think there's I'd probably put it in a couple of categories. There are certain situations where there is unquestionably need for people to respond in a vocal way as a collective as a culture we need to respond to it Mm. there's certain things there but there are other things where it's more nuanced but people want to make them like you said they're black and white and not everything can fit within that it it just doesn't work so that that would be some of my initial thoughts on like it it makes me deeply uncomfortable the concept Mm. um and i'm not a big fan at all yeah, yeah. I think I totally see what you're saying. Like, I feel like cancel culture, it's originally, it was a way of dealing with the problem of power. Like, who has it? Who does not have it? But I think the toxicity is a sense of entitlement mm. that comes with it. Like, because I think in our generation where it comes from, it's, especially when it, we were talking about influential people, I think there's this entitlement of like, we have built someone up to the top of the ladder yeah, and we've let them crawl on our backs to get there. We have idolized them and they're like our end on be all of our, of our culture. They are the cultural shapers, you know, and they are in that position because of our praise and our support. And I feel like if they then become anything less than the perfect image that we have created of them, I feel like there's this entitlement of like, we have the right to bring them right back down Mm. and to pull them back to the ground. And I think the question is, should we even idolize people in the first place and, you know, bring them to that level? Because I think it just stems from that insecurity. It's like, okay, they should have everything in life because they have power, influence, they're rich, they are beautiful, they, you know, influence the world. And so that's everything that everyone wants to be. And so because we're insecure, we, we project our insecurities on those people. Um, so I, I think just all in all, I really, my thought is I am so for call out culture, but we need to take out the anger element. And 
I just wonder, like, where does that anger even come from? Like, what is cancel culture rooted in? Where does our generation's anger stem from? I think even to go back to what you said, like, um, a second ago, I do agree that it's um, our need for celebrities and our need for having someone to look up to and elevate that creates the whole problem, which, like, from a Christian perspective, it is kind of, like yeah like having idols to be honest and um mm -hmm. i think it it started to um like i started seeing it in my in my own life because when i let's say listen to someone or enjoy someone's art or i like a movie with a particular actor or actress um i mm -hmm. don't think that their talent is synonymous with having a great character like i still have it in the back of my head that I don't know this person's life and I'm enjoying the art that they're producing. I'm enjoying the mm -hmm. music that they're producing, but how they are with their family or whatever they're doing in their private life, I usually never kind of get like interested in, but our culture mm -hmm. is completely different. Like we love to know um, the personal lives of everyone. The ins and outs. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and I think part of it, like why it even exists is because we um, we love to have celebrities and we love to have idols and we love to think um, that there is um, um, that. We, yeah, as you said, we're entitled to know someone's private life, but also we want them to we want them to be perfect because they're visible, like they're representing like us in some mm -hmm. ways. Right. Um, and um, so that's why I think when we would call um, a rich or famous or influential person out it's because so many they have this influence like they so many people are looking up um to them for like yeah how do i live my life how do i get where this person is so you're saying like when you when they get to that point they should have access to the resources to not make those mistakes no i think what i'm saying is that i would love to live in a world where we can enjoy art and we can enjoy someone's um yeah what someone's producing without having to um create a whole celebrity culture lifestyle out out of it because i think mm -hmm. in core in my opinion that's a part of the issue um that we just yeah that we have those celebrities and we we elevate people the christian worldview right says um, no one's good except for God. Whereas cancel culture comes from the idea that that these people are good. Oh my goodness, they're not. Tear them down. Ooh. And so, so you, you you start you start from a different place. So the Christian worldview says no one's good except for God. The only way that I can be found whole is is not by my strength or my power, but by the gospel. Mm -hmm. So the gospel is the thing that even any of, like the idea that anything good within me is not mine. Mm -hmm. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't give me my gifts. I didn't give me my artistry. I didn't give me my, my communicate. I didn't give any of this to me. That was all God. Mm -hmm. So that's the Christian worldview. The, the, the worldly kind of, you know, thing that we see right now is um, that we build people up and then we all have the right to tear them down. So it's just, the, it's the wrong foundation to start with. Yes. But it's the same thing that the Israelites did when they wanted a king after the book of Judges, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the, the end of the book of Judges and they're like, hey, everyone else has a king. We want a king. Yeah. You even see it. I mean, we, we were laughing about it recently, weren't we, Wendy, with, um, uh, you see in 
um, the culture right now where Beyonce and people started to refer to her as like the queen or the queen yeah, of Africa or like yeah. all this kind of like madness. Oh and goodness. What, why do people want that? Well, we've, we're living in the UK. We've got a queen. You people as like people want to like elevate people to these like it's within our human condition is we want people to so that we can look at them and we were watching um, the Crown recently right on Netflix and it's like the and it's this thing how much the Crown is you know and and the UK monarchy it's like it has to be an act mm-hmm. don't show your flaws like be perfect. Why do we want that? Because somehow it's our, like you were saying, our projection of our own flaws. We can say, well, at least there's a, is a higher way. But the truth is, there is like, there is only one way. Yeah. And so that's why our culture's like so screwed up on this is because we're starting from the wrong worldview in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if, and if we can all just go, yeah, I'm broken. I'm flawed. I'm not good. That changes the whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. And and you build up in a different way, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. No, yeah. I just agree with uh, yeah everything that was said. The need to elevate is there and it's real and it destroys people's lives. I agree, and I'm gonna go as far as saying that it's a self hatred thing. I think seeing someone up there making a, a mistake of of I don't know how big of of magnitude the mistake is but either way i think it's like oh that perfect that person should be perfect because i'm not so that makes me angry you know and i think it's because you i think it's people projecting their own faults and where they lack and all of it however at the same time i feel like there's levels to this there's levels to canceling i think there's like josh said there is no black and white. There are certain things that are good and evil. But then again, who defines that? Who defines what is righteous and what is not? Obviously, we're Christians, you know, and we have the Bible. But again, we can't, we have different reasons for accepting behavior than, I don't know, someone else does. So I think that's the danger of it is like, where are the lines blurred? Because sometimes it's like, okay, a person isn't perfect and they make mistakes. But then sometimes it's like, okay, someone has abused their power and has damaged the actually damaged people and systems and different ways um, of just injustice. So I think, and, and all that to say, what is the difference? What is the difference when Jesus, right? Jesus is walking around on this planet and he was exposing people left and right, I feel like. In a loving way, right? But he was exposing people. He was like, Let me, let's bring the whole system down. He was doing all of that, kind of. But what's the difference between how Jesus did it and when we do it in a very public manner? Like, what does the Bible say about cancel culture? Let me, let me just step back a second. I'm sorry. I'm not going to fully answer your question quite yet. I just want to step back on the anger thing that you were talking about. Because I, I actually think this is really important. It's a little bit what we were talking about at the start, but where does that anger come from? I think some of it comes from like a deep cry for justice. Yeah, that's how that's how what I relate to. Like that's what I feel. Yeah, and so because when you see something, you're like, but but I want justice to to be done, and and that's that's such a godly response to seeing injustice. 
it, it's like so when I'm talking about like how I feel about cancel culture it's not like and you know I'm not the biggest fan but actually the, the question isn't it's like it's actually rooting someone really good it's a response I think often from this generation as well it's a response that says we want justice we want to live in a purer society mm-hmm. or or and again, you know, pure by the definition of this generation, but but we want to live in a pure society. And I think then what you're saying about how do we, what's the measurement for that? Like how how do we define that is a really important one. But I think it's just recognizing that the anger is often justified. The question is, it's the response. It's like how, how we respond to that anger is really important. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to jump in on, on that point because I think it's important to recognize that this is an, it's an important thing that people get fired up when they see injustice. Yeah. It's, it's the question, do we trust in God? You know, Romans talks about, hey, the, we need to let God's wrath take care of this rather than our own because mm-hmm. he's much better and much more just than we are yeah. in knowing how to respond. And, and actually, like, how do we respond in Galatians, Galatians 6, Paul talks, and he's like, when a brother sins, gently restore them back to the grace of God. So our, it, the question I think is like, where do we direct our anger? Is it towards grace or towards judgment? And, and so I think that's where, you know, to answer your, your question you just asked then, I think there's like a, well, we're, we're not Jesus. You know, it's like Jesus was going around calling people out and and like doing all this kind of stuff. I I'm not sure that that's a that's a role that that we are qualified to take on because because we always look through things through our own lens of humanity and depravity and you know just flaws. So so I, I guess the question is like, are we the ones who are best qualified? Mm-hmm. to call you know so Jesus calls out the Pharisees do we do we have that ability that qualification that discernment I'm not always sure I do mm-hmm. I think sometimes I'm emotion led instead of righteousness led when I want to call someone out you know I'm just like hey and, and I'll do it sometimes at home and then I have to repent I'm like Lord that was that was unloving or that was you know unkind it's it's like I'm not sure I'm the best person to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think we have to make that differentiation between Jesus did it, so I can do it. So I'm not sure we can. I don't think it's within us to know always the best way. That is so spot on, especially, I mean, just to go back, basically, we had a conversation, Josh, Josh and I and Meg, about this. And it ended up quite being, being quite emotional because... I am that per. I was that person. I definitely recognize recognize myself in that. Um, I was that person. Like I just see something that is completely unjust and evil, and it makes my heart literally just see red. Like I just don't see anything else but red. And and that's like it's a good thing. It's something that God has placed in people is that heart for justice. But I think where I got stuck is like, I don't know how to channel the anger per se. And so I think it's really important to focus on this question of like, how does the Bible tell us to deal with this anger? Because there is anger. 
that is this that is the thing there is anger but do we want to be known as a angry generation or do we want to be known as a compassionate generation and i think the thing with cancel culture is that the lines between the two are quite blurred and we focus on the anger part but we don't necessarily focus on the compassion part and i think for me that's a really important journey to go on is that okay yes i want to be known to be a merciful you know a merciful person or um, full of grace even for the people that you think are the most inhumane it's like no but like josh said what about restoring them to the grace of god um i think that's the key here truly yeah just wanted to add there that like you know as humans we have to remember that we are and it connects to what josh shared it's like how much can i trust my own feelings about a situation or even how much can i trust um the paper that i read and took the information from how much can i trust the media mm -hmm. that i'm that are feeding into my anger right um this is all something that we have to have discernment for and i think you know ideas can change quickly um and i think to cancel people is to kind of simplify the human experience and what it means to be a human is to say you know you cannot change you cannot grow your mind cannot ex um, expand and i think that's something very naive to think of um, people because when I look at my own mind and my own um, self, I am changing constantly. I'm growing constantly. I'm going from A to B, from B to C. And um, I'm expecting this to be happening constantly until I die and see Jesus face to face. I am growing and expanding. Yeah. And Cancel culture just doesn't have the space for people to repent. It doesn't leave the space for people to um, say, OK, I was wrong. Um, and um, and I think, you know, we are learning through failure. We are learning through trial and error. And I think it's interesting how we can have that grace for ourselves um, and how we can mm -hmm. have that grace for um, our family members. But as long as it's not Kanye West or it's not, I don't know, R. Kelly, mm -hmm. who maybe did something that was wrong and hurt people. But it's like, yeah, but who am I to judge this person's life? Uh, from afar? Like, um, that's not something I was called to do. And I think it's part of um, also what you shared, um, um, Wendy, about like hating ourselves. It's like, if I don't give that grace to myself, if I don't think that I can change, if I don't think that I can grow, then cancel culture <laughs> is the um, is the lifestyle for me because it's like, okay, we all mess up and um, let's just accept that the world is bad. We are all bad and nothing good can come out of it. Right. Um, so I think it's, yeah. it's very it's very interesting. Um, and I think the best response is to speak truth in love. And if you don't have love, then don't speak. Oh. Um, go and like check your heart, check your heart first. And then if you're ready, if you know that it's Holy Spirit prompting you, um, then there won't be any um, emotional kind of, um, yeah, just emotions that shouldn't be there. Because I think, yeah, it, it, it mm -hmm. does matter how we keep people accountable and how we say things and where our heart is when we do it. Um, and um, yeah, I would love for us to like, as like people who love God, um, as young, um, young people to also um, focus on that and focus on our own heart um, before we'll be pointing mm -hmm. fingers and, um, and looking at what other people do. Yeah, and I think that's that's the antidote. That is the antidote is 
trusting in the redemptive power of the cross. The redemptive power of the cross for ourselves, the power of redemption for the world. And I think putting ourselves in that position to cancel people is, like Josh said, it's anti-gospel. Yeah. What One of the things I was just going to throw in, like, you know, if we can just like use a real world, real life example, because we can talk about it from like, you know, celebrities, but if we bring it into our, into the tribe and into like our church communities. So here's an example that I think many people would think it's time to cancel this individual, particularly in our world today. But we are, so in Birmingham, we've been um, building church for nearly four years. And, and one of the, the things that we were determined to do was build a, a, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. That, that was the vision that we kind of established within our community when we came to build. And so what happens when you are determined to do that is it leads you to, like, it's a fight for that. Like you got to fight to be a a multi-ethnic church because for for some people in different cultures they can gravitate towards their own culture and it's much easier to do that. All that to say, I had someone probably about two years ago come into our church, and I would say that there was some um, views that. that person held that I would say would be racially insensitive at best and and maybe racist at worst okay so the question is as as someone who are you know building a tribe of people in Birmingham the question I have to answer in that moment is because everything within me in that moment wants to take the hammer out you know the pastoral hammer and it's like right cancelled you know it's like you're done okay in my flesh that's what i want to do but again if we believe that racism is a sin issue then i'm looking to galatians 6 verse 1 and i'm saying okay if if a brother has fallen into sin then those of you who who are in the community you've got to gently restore them to the grace of god so i had to make a decision there and say okay am i going to cancel this person or Am I going to challenge this person in conversation, love them, point out the areas of their life that are, let's say, racially insensitive at best, and see that person come to a place of repentance and change mm-hmm. in some of that thinking, some of that mindset, some of that language. And that, that was the course that I took, and I saw significant change in that individual. And I saw them repenting and transforming and seeing and, and speaking in a different way, seeing things in a different way, loving people in a different way. But in our world today, it's so easy to cancel that person. But which is better to cancel someone because of a view that they've held or something they've said? Because you see this. I mean, you see it. I follow like um, uh, American football in the States a bit. And they'll find something that someone put on Facebook when they were 13 and they're now 24 and it's like, oh, the NFL team can't draft this individual anymore to be a part of their team because someone they said they were 13. Now, again, was the, what they said right? Was it even evil? Potentially, yes. But does that mean that that is who they are for the rest of their life? Or can they mm-hmm. repent and change? And I think particularly for our community, our tribe, we've got to think like, are the people around us, are they who they are for life? 
Because if we say that of them, them then we are holding two different, like we're holding a hypocritical worldview. Yes. We're saying I'm allowed to change, but yeah. they're not. I can, I can become a different person, but that person mm. can't. And so I, I think, you know, in a real world situation, these are the kind of things we have to think about. When someone holds a view that is either opposite to ours or sinful and evil, do we believe that that person doesn't have a chance to change or do we want to be committed to being a part of their change? I think that's the important question within cancel culture yeah. for us as a tribe. And I feel like that's... Um... It's shaming, isn't it? It's shaming. It's it's putting shame on people. Um, and again, I just don't believe that that's God's heart is to shame people. I remember Deb, you know, we were talking about this concept in a meeting. Deb said it so well. She just worded it as cancel culture is the stoning of our generation. Ooh. It's the public and social execution of people. Yeah. And um, I just thought that really hit me. That really, really hit me. And like you said, Josh, whether it's on a big, big scale online or people in your individual life, is do we want to put them under the guillotine for being human? And I don't think I don't think that's right. And it just reminds me of the scripture where God says that it's his kindness that leads to repentance. It's not shaming people. It's not, you know, um, putting them, putting them in, in a corner and just mocking them. I think it's, it's his kindness, God's kindness and our kindness. And that's what makes us stand out as the tribe. You know, one of our values is community and and everybody can sit in with us. And so um, I think the most powerful takeaways of today is, yes, integrity is a major value. But at the end of the day, ultimately, God is going to call all of us to hold an account for our actions. So it's better to spend your energy canceling your own impurities in your heart. Come on. You know, than focusing on cancel this person, cancel that person. One of the things that our pastor uh, in Freedom Church, our pastor, um, senior pastor Gary, he shared, he always shares this. This isn't a one time thing. That is his motto in life. He always says, you alone are responsible for your own heart. So no matter what someone outside of you does, even if it's wrong, even if it's vile, no matter what actions they have done against you, you alone are responsible for the health of your heart and how you respond to that. Are you going to allow poison to enter your heart? Or are you going to choose to walk in kindness, to walk in love, to walk in forgiveness? Um, so I feel like that is the way that we want to build a tribe. That is what we want to move forward with. And I mean, I've been challenged today. I've been challenged. It's, you know, we can talk about it, like Josh said, in a bigger context, but this is something we have to apply daily. Daily. When someone annoys us, when someone at work says something absolutely horrible, when you're being discriminated against, when someone's throwing stones at you, yes, hold them accountable. Yes, value integrity. But always choose kindness so thank you guys so much for joining us josh and deb i feel like this was incredibly insightful and our generation needs this we need this as a generation so thank you for coming on the podcast if you want to find us guys find us on instagram if you want to hear your thoughts what are your thoughts on cancel culture what do you believe that god's heart is of cancel culture what are some of the wounds that you struggle with that you feel like need healing to be able to 
step into the freedom of kindness and instead of shaming um let us know find us on there comment on us at the tribe.global and stay tuned for the next episode because we're going to be doing a series focusing on our cultural values that we want to build the tribe on so definitely see you next time